Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Why, good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Nate. Glad that we get to be together today for the podcast. I've got a couple of special guests with me today, so I'll have them introduce themselves. So, Good morning, I'm Tammy Ramsdell. And what location do you attend? Dover. And you serve in Dover too. What what are the roles that you serve? Um, I'm champion three with Pastor Jeremy and so try to help wherever else is needed. So just that's kind of some inner workings behind the scenes. So that is um, concerned about spiritual experiences. So if you're going to uh, be baptized, go to a leader's retreat, um, uh, things like that, that kind of falls under the areas you're looking at. Good. Good. Well, awesome. Glad to have you here. And also <laughs> with us? Uh, it's Charlotte from uh, the internship. <laughs> so I attend the Dover location now, but I've been to every location. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And how far along are you in the internship now? Uh, this is my second year, but we're winding that down now. Were you a September start or January? September? September. So we're about to start year three. And I'll just officially invite you to year three internship. You, you have to be invited each year to the next one. So here, uh, here you get the news amidst everybody. <laughs> We'd wow, like you to keep going honor. on. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is pretty great. So I want you to tell us all are you going to accept it or not? <laughs> no, yeah, I should do that. Um, yeah, I'll think about it. No, I'll do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, you've been a great help. Yeah, obviously, both of you have been great. Um, you know, Tammy, you're here every Tuesday at the church, serving all day. And so you've almost been doing that a year now. It's been almost a year, yes. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing and all of your involvement in leadership. And Charlotte, certainly you're carrying and accomplishing so much for the church that people even have no idea how much you're um, how much you're leading. So thank you for that. And I, you know, I know you're both nervous on being on the podcast, but I, <laughs> but I'm not nervous because uh, we got a couple of high level leaders here, and um, excited to kind of get your perspective of everything. So we've got a few different things we can talk through. Um, we can talk about worship night. We can talk through Sunday's morning, the Sunday morning message, the new series, and anything that you wanted to talk about, like from out of the cave, or just even questions that you have in life or about the church. You're here. You've got me cornered. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's your opportunity to. Um, so anything like anything like that. So first, Charlotte, how do you feel about worship night? Um, honestly, I have been highly anticipating this. Uh, this was something that I really pushed for this past year. Um, when Jeremy was talking about like, this was a year in the making legitimately like over a year in the making, it was like crazy how everything came together. And then last night it was so amazing. Um, just the way that everything lined up so perfectly, like going through the album and like 
picturing like, all right, which songs are going to go where and just the the prayer and thought that went into it from behind the whole team. And then for the night to go so smoothly, like we spent hours rehearsing everything and it for from our perspective for us to just be able to walk in and just worship and just give it all like was fantabulous as i would say yeah so you the band and tech crew you guys get here three hours before service you think at every location yeah for about that part, yeah and then you guys run through services and then two o'clock on sunday afternoons you were all gathering in dover so that band that you saw, they were all not a, a, only serving all morning, but then they're serving behind the scenes on Sunday afternoons, yeah. rehearsing. And then that Saturday was like a six-hour rehearsal the day before worship night. Um, I think it was like three to four hours, and that was mostly working out all the kinks that we had from like basically mashing most of Dover's gear with Plymouth's system. Um, but the the entire team, like tech, the, all of the broadcast team was involved in getting behind the scenes footage and the bands like pretty much put at least four full days of, of prep time into just the rehearsal process. So like kudos to that team because yeah. they, they went above and beyond on all fronts. Yeah. So, man, it was, it was good. And you know, the, when I opened it, the, the thing that I was trying to coach everybody is, uh, it, you know, I was coaching it and I wasn't just trying to be sound spiritual, but I was concerned that it would be a performance. Both the people in the crowd would be performing because they're on video and whatever, and then the band would be performing. And it's not, we, we weren't, we're recording an album, but we're not recording an album, right? It was worship night yeah. that we happened to be recording an album at. And if we, we're just advertising. Hey, we're recording. Um, you know, then we it's invitation only, <laughs> yeah. and it would be a little bit different. And um, no, God moved. Yeah, even he moved. Even go leading up, like that was one of the big things we prefaced for rehearsals. Our first rehearsal, we spent like the first portion of it just going through like praying for everything and we prefaced like this is our time to worship to these songs beforehand like yes we want to be able to like get all of the lyric like malfunctions and like being able to know the songs well but like each rehearsal was very much like we're here to worship so that when we got to like the recording night it was all right we've already been worshiping to these so let's continue that and that was like a huge push on on our part so it was it was good. Yeah. Do you have a favorite song, either from the night or from the demo recordings? Oh, I mean, I'm impartial. <laughs> um, Let this be my honestly, it's hilarious you say that. That's not my favorite one. <laughs> so what one's your favorite one? My favorite one is "Holy Is the Name," but that's one that I spent a long time praying over, and that was one that I like for me really touches my heart and like for me just represents how I want to worship. So that's my personal favorite. Cool. Did you Was have it your favorite of the night too? Um, no, I don't think so. so. My favorite from the night was Holy. Holy. What's the title? Holy is your name. Holy is the name. Yeah. Holy is the name. Yeah. And then my favorite, that's that was my favorite of the night. Probably my favorite song in the album is I am more. Is that, yeah, that right. one's really fun. It, it's fun, and then there's just 
something in that that just really resonates with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think so far I like them all. So. Me too. <laughs> Tammy, do you have any comments from <laughs> any of the songs that you've heard? Um, I think they're all good. Um, I'm impressed with how talented that uh, the people that are here in the church with music, with writing, everything, and it's all God-driven. You know, it's yeah. all God praise. I just, yeah, the whole um, album is actually really good. I think one thing that I like is you can't, you can't really tell who wrote what song, right? So it takes, it's a little bit of people, you know, if it was like, oh, that, I can, I know that person wrote that song, you know, so it's too much of yourself coming in and yeah. it's supposed to be a song for the church. And so the fact that you can't really tell who wrote what song, I think shows more the diversity of the church and also props to the band because no one's like really trying to sell their own song. As yeah, the, that was one of the worries because there was a few writers, at least on this album, there's hope for more because we've obviously been continuing the writing process and there's been a lot more that has come out since like the initial like collecting of these songs. But one of the big worries was like, some of us have some very particular <laughs> styles and like ideas that we have, but it was really, really cool to see it all come together seamlessly and not disjunct on ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the, for whoever sang the song, it was like perfect for that person. You know, it was like almost written for that voice. It was yeah. just, it, yeah, you could feel like their anointing coming through. You yeah. Know? It was awesome. Yep. Such a great night. So, again, thank, thank you to the band. Thank you to those who helped with the songs but weren't on the band that night. Thank you to all the tech crew. Thank you to everybody who was there and was worshiping that night. Um, thank you to Plymouth for hosting us. They had tons of food for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a great, great night. The only thing that would been better is air conditioning in the lobby. <laughs> oh, man. And we've been trying to get that installed. I don't know. We just had such a hard time getting contractors to By the end of the night, up. I don't know how everyone was surviving. You went outside, and it was nicer, and it was really hot outside. <laughs> yeah. There was... A, we had a haze machine going, but there was a natural haze, too. <laughs> uh, well, this week, we opened a new series, The God I Created, lowercase g. Yeah. I don't know if that graphic's editable. With lowercase g, we, we create this <laughs> idol um, in our life. When I was growing up as a teenager, and it, the universal illustration for idolatry was a television which I feel like is a very poor. Yeah, yeah, no. It's a great illustration for idleness, but not for idolatry. Right. Like, no one worships their TV. You just, <laughs> at that time, like, probably the average person watched, like, six hours of TV a day or seven <laughs> hours of TV a day was the, the statistic. But no one worshiped their TV. Yeah. All right? So there was another, there's another thing. So I don't know if there's... I don't know, we talk about idolatry a little bit. Like, what did you hear growing up? Like, are are there illustrations that you've heard that are similar to the television that I think, just fall short? I think now, at least from my perspective, like, 
I grew up in the age of transitioning in cell phones and people always tell me like, don't worship your phone, like put it down. Like you, you're putting that above Jesus. And that's like one of the biggest ones that I hear, but no one really puts the term idolatry on it. They kind of avoid it. It's almost like a, a forbidden like term to use now. So it's, it's almost like the, the pin of just, we're going to say it, but not say it. So for me, I never really heard it growing up, but it was always like, well, if you weren't so absorbed in this or if you weren't so focused on that, but that's what idolatry is. For me growing up, idolatry, I always pictured the golden calf because of like illustrations from the Bible through Sunday school. Um, Whenever people would talk about idolatry, I always thought of the gold, anything golden, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And now, as an adult, like anything that would go before God is idolatry. That's what I've always been taught. In what color is your wedding band? I know gold, right? Oh, it is gold. I, yeah. you <laughs> had, I saw you had pearl earrings, and if you had like white gold, like you've avoided yellow gold your whole life because of that. Tammy went so far that now she I got just gold. Didn't, didn't buy anything gold. <laughs> so idolatry, like a phone, is you know, probably the modern day, yeah. it takes a lot of our time, but that's, we're not worshiping our phone. Yeah. All right. It's a distraction. And maybe we're using our phone because we're worshiping materialism. We're worshiping um, lust. We're worshiping a relationship. We're, but it's what has our heart. And so this week, pop quiz, do you know what the uh, what the God they created was? It was ourselves or themselves. Yeah, we worship. Mm-hmm. We worship ourselves. What I want, I want to be God. I want to decide what's right and wrong. I want to. I want to make that determination. Yeah, for me, that that's like the mantra for people who are my age. Like, I have a lot of friends who are not Christians just because I've high school there wasn't a lot of Christians and college (laughs) that's a whole nother beast in itself but like the whole idea is self-serving everyone's always like self-care or like I'm gonna go my own way um and just the whole idea is just me 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 and all I want to do so then when I see people come to Christ, that wall for them between them and Christ is so big, it seems ridiculous. Um, and I think like it's one of the hardest things that's invisible because only you know that. And only like you can say, oh, I put myself before I put Christ. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of at least my generation has to work through mm-hmm. um, to get to know who Jesus is um, because it's been so pushed of just you do what you want to do and you'll be good. Right. So what are some you want to add to that? Well, I was just going to say that we want God wants us to be happy. And sometimes if we are sinning, it, but it makes me happy. It's OK because God wants us to be happy. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. God wants me to be happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> He really cares about my happiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's, he cares about your holiness. Yeah. yeah. Right? And uh, there are seasons when being holy doesn't equal happiness, but over the long scope of your life, it leads to joy, a much greater joy than a superficial happiness. And and obviously joy leads to happiness. But yeah. 
yeah, you know, do what makes you happy. I'm going to, you know, and you see that one on Facebook, like, I'm leaving my husband and uh, whatever, whatever. And people are like, yeah, you do you. (laughs) Do what makes you happy. Follow your heart. Like, well. Warning, warning. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's also true. Like, where you, like, I guess where you place your heart is like, like where you lead yourself basically. And I see so many people who like are constantly chasing after like their feelings and just what they're feeling in the moment. And it leads them. So, so many places yeah. that are just. Yeah. The, the scripture, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Yeah. <laughs> Follow your heart. <laughs> yeah. You know where that's going to lead you. Yeah. It's going to lie to you the whole way. Yeah. The whole way. I, you know, I think of, so a negative example that kind of speaks to that, but like, I don't know if you guys have ever had a friend or someone that you, you know, someone from church that was in an abusive relationship and you can't get them to leave that abusive relationship. Yeah. Well, this guy's pounding my face in, but I love him. Yeah. Well, your heart is deceitfully <laughs> wicked. Yeah. It is leading you into into this relationship and in your you need to leave you need to use wisdom and your brain and leave but your heart is making you stay yeah mm-hmm. and that's uh obviously an extreme example but a true example yeah i think that's that's one of the hardest things is like you do have that love and that passion and like you have to be able to separate like a godly love and like a, a love that's distracting you from other things. Cause like you can love other things, but that's, that's where the idolatry steps in. Like if I'm only loving like all of the things except for like what God has called me to, like I'm starting to separate between like, all right, God has called me to love my neighbor, but I am especially loving this person who is distracting me from God, who is bringing me away from church, who's bringing me away from my, um, my relationship with Christ. And like, that is where it starts to breed that idolatry. That's where it starts to like, all right, well, at one point I did have a really good relationship, but now I have to put it on the back burner because I have to love this person because that's what's in front of me. Yeah. There's another scripture too that popped in my head. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would be another like Eve, Adam and Eve ate that fruit because of selfish ambition. You will be like God. I will, will I? Yeah. And uh, just another way that that idolatry creeps in. It's almost like they were testing God. God, will you really do this? Let me see. Let me see right. if that will happen. God has grace. <laughs> yeah. He, he's not going to be mad. Well, all right. So, you know, interesting thing. God loved Adam and Eve as much after they sinned as he, as he did before. So that didn't change. But the consequences of them choosing sin, he allows us to. To live with those consequences, yeah. Those he does not remove those, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Once you realize, oh, I've ruined my life. God still loves me, but I've ruined my life. 
Um, question for you, Pastor Nate. Um, we did kind of tie between like not only like the Old Testament, but the very beginning, like in creation story, but like how that all ties into the New Testament is pretty cool. Was there anything that you wanted to like add into the connection, not only between like God's grace back then into the New Testament, or was there anything that you saw in the stories that we chose that also reflect into what we see in the New Testament with, with Jesus? Um, well, ultimately this was a series that pastor Jeremy created. Yes. Um, so he is, he, he may have a better answer than that because he was determining, you, you know, because we've got four gods that are created, but there are more than that in scripture. So he's kind of determining what are the four that we want to look at. Um, I think what, what I've been thinking through is, all right, what did they do and how does that relate to what we do? So um, Adam and Eve, they created a God, but what are we doing that's similar? And so we're, we're making ourselves God. Next week we are talking about the golden calf. So, but we're, no one, I mean, people are making idols like you go you can go to people's houses and they've got shrines to family members up that they have to go and pray you know and spend time with every day yeah um you know there are real diversity of religion now in new hampshire that didn't exist 20 years ago really um so you if your kids go over a friend's house that friend you know wouldn't be uncommon for them to be leaving right tea out or something like that to their God. Um, but so w- taking, taking that, the golden calf, well, how does that relate to the people who are in our church on Sunday? Um, but his grace, we think about Adam and Eve as God being punitive. Um, hey, you're, I'm kicking you out of the garden. I'm making childbirth hurt. <laughs> I'm making you have to work. Um, so shame, shame. But, and here's a couple of angels with flaming swords to keep you from coming <laughs> back into the garden. Um, but the we, we miss, like that was consequence of sin. That wasn't necessarily a punitive action of God. The actions of God were, hey, Adam, (laughs) hey, Eve, where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you guys? He knows where they are. It's like playing hide and go seek with a (laughs) two-year-old. We're here, God. Why do you have leaves all over your body? (laughs) Well, we feel weird. Why do you feel weird? I didn't create you to feel weird. Well, we ate the fruit you told us not to eat. God says... God talks with them. He has a conversation. He doesn't scream at them, which I think is something that we would read into the story. Thou <laughs> shalt exit Eden. <laughs> which he doesn't do. No, what does he do? He, and this is really interesting. I think about big, huge God making them close. He's, 
He's he's hand sewing them. God handcrafted <laughs> vintage clothes. <laughs> and uh, and that's how he responds to them. And I think we just forget that. And so when we sin, we think God's screaming at us, angry, punishing us, beating us. And no, your sin this. brings your your own your your sin created its own punishment. God says, "Why are you running from me? Why are you hiding? Let me help put the pieces back together. Let me let me make you some clothes. Let me tend to you. Let me and." Adam and Eve still had a relationship with God outside of the garden, which is pretty interesting too. It's not, I don't think there's anything that we really focus in on. It's just like angels with flaming swords, the end. But no, they're still talking with God. The relationship changed, all right, because now there was sin and now they needed a savior. And so they couldn't interact with God the same way in their sinfulness. But he, But they still interacted with him. He still had a relationship with them. He still deeply, deeply love them as much as he did before, as much as he does you and I. Cool. I was thinking like when when the serpent was tempting Eve before it all happened, like how many like he doesn't say in the Bible, like how many times did he actually tempt tempt her? Was he talking her through it? What was her thoughts going through it? You know, like when so he appeared and did like he said, Eve, if you'd eat the apple, did she be like, no, I don't want to eat the apple? And then did it just constantly like, oh, maybe I should try the apple or no, I shouldn't try the apple. You know, like you go through those, you know, even now when we're tempted, like we go through a process in our minds. Like it's like a battle. Like we're, did she have that battle? There's um, uh, you know, the process of sinning, which Adam and Eve did. And I'm, I'm going to look it up so I I get the order right. But lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. So that's the process that we go through for sinning. So she sees the fruit, and it looks beautiful, and it looks delicious. And so then she needs to satisfy her flesh from what she's seen. So then she's eating it, and then all like with this pride of, I'll be like God. I I shouldn't have been told no. That's kind of the same sin pattern that we all have. Um, and we think of lust of the eyes only as a sexual thing, but 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 that's not the only way that we lust or covet. So the um, just trying to think of an example that's not relationship-based anything you guys think of um i think you can almost like you it's almost the greed aspect where you see where someone else has something that's like better than yours or something so you start to look at that and that's when you start to like yearn after that or like you look at that and be like oh that's what i want that's what i need like and you start to insert those those comments and then that's when you start to almost chase after that so it's the same thing you do with relationships obviously like i want that that's what i need and like that's when it becomes so you can do that with i see that a lot with like cars is the easy one um houses (laughs) like even like the newest technology yeah so it's like you 
Go I ahead. was going to say social media. When you're on Facebook or something, you say like a lot of spouses, oh, look what my spouse did for me. You know, we don't know that they just might have had this big fight and he had to buy her the flowers. That's why you know, because he's a complete goon. Right. <laughs> or <laughs> they have a new pool or they have, so you see what they're having or what they're doing and you're like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Why don't I have right. that? Why can't I get that? And I think that's like, that starts, that can start something. And unfortunately, you know, it can ruin a lot of relationships or yeah. cause you to go in back into the cave. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, that almost ties into like, I think my favorite part of the sermon was the, when we went into like where sin falls into this and like what sin does between like for your relationship with God, for your personal, like where you you are at and like for everything. So, um, going through like it's my favorite was sin pulls you from communion with God, but um, the sin pulls you from your relationships with others. Sin pulls you from your purpose. Um, I think that's something that we often like miss in, in looking at what sin does. It's not just like, Oh, that is bad. There are effects to what sin does on your life. Yeah. And what we tend to miss is how much sin affects everybody around us. Um, and I don't know, like, is there truly a sin that only affects you? I don't know. I, you know, if you and your, and your boyfriend are living together, well, that's sin. Does that really negatively affect other people? It does if you have kids. But what if you don't have kids? What if you're two 20-year-olds and you move in together? What if you're two 20-year-olds and you're in a consensual sexual relationship? Well, that's sin. But is that negatively affecting other people? Yes. I would say not necessarily at first, right? Because it might even, if you're not from a Christian family, it's celebrated. It's, yeah. it, it's yeah. like... Everybody's bragging. My son's so mature. He moved in with his girlfriend. <laughs> um, but it, if you're saying I'm a follower of Jesus, and then you start making these decisions to sin, why won't anybody, you know, why aren't my friendships the same? Well, it's hard if you're living in a, habitual sinful lifestyle and you don't think that's wrong all of a sudden now and and not to overstate it all right but if you feel like a dangerous person to be around i want to follow jesus and if there's an area of your life that scripture says is sin and you don't recognize it as sin then now i have to be careful being around you because um because i can be tempted to to sin that same way. Um, it's almost like you're a stumbling block. Like you think of that alcoholic, if you drink in front of them and they say, oh, well, they're a Christian. If they can drink, why can't I drink? Right. You know, you you can cause that person to go backwards. Yeah. And so we don't want to be a stumbling block to other people. And also I need to be aware of stumbling blocks in my own life. You know, the stupid illustration that I always share because it's kind of innocuous and silly, (laughs) 
but I I never have listened to secular music. I've bought one secular CD in my whole life, and it was a Stevie Wonder's greatest <laughs> hit. That's the only one I never listened to music. I hardly, even still, hardly ever listen to music. Um, I, you know, I'm listening to a 42-hour audio book <laughs> right now, and I listen to podcasts, and even when I was a teenager, I listened to... Um, Crown Financial with Larry Burkett while I was driving to work when I was like 17 years old and focus on the family. So that's just been a bit of my personality. But when I went to Bible college, all my Christian friends are listening to not even just secular music, but they're listening to Sublime, We Can Get High, and Blink-182. And so I'm like, maybe it's okay to listen to this. And so I just started listening to it. And then, but then I had to realize by the end of the school year, like, no, it just affects me differently. So I'm, mm-hmm. It's not wrong for them. Yeah. But for me, I just can't. Like, that's, and that's uh, something that I had to change in my life because I listen to music all the time. I mean, I have a 40, 45 minute drive one direction and like, I wait one direction are you talking about the bands <laughs> no just you listen one to? way no. oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to one direction I never have that's what I can confidently say but um I used to listen so I had, then when it was 99 degrees in the auditorium <laughs> yeah oh gosh but um I decided a few years ago that I was gonna stop listening to secular music and I do occasionally too like but now everywhere I go, it's, it's all Christian bands. It's all like worship music or even sometimes it's just instrumentals. And when I say instrumentals, I mean classical music written by Bach. (laughs) Um, but like that for me was a huge shift and I saw a huge change in what I was seeing in my life. Like, and I think that's, it's obviously personal convictions, but like for me that got in the way of me being able to so I, 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 there's something that's popping in my head um, that I'll try to formulate here, but so the, it, it it's um, and I apologize that my sentences aren't coming together. But you have the people who mock, who are gonna mock you. Yeah. Oh, you only listen to Christian music, and they mock you. I am a more arrived Christian because I know that listening to secular music is okay. And they start flaunting that. And, and there's jokes like um, songs songs can't get saved, so how can it be a Christian song? Yeah. And that type of stuff, which I think is arrogant. Yeah. And I think when I think about some of those people who have who have mocked, like on Facebook, about that— you know, five, ten years later, it just looks like there's a little bit of bitterness now yeah. creeping into their life. And if you, so listening to secular music isn't wrong. No. Mocking people who don't is wrong. <laughs> um, drinking alcohol isn't wrong. Mocking people who don't drink alcohol is wrong. Getting drunk is always wrong. So, and the Bible doesn't list blood alcohol level. I'll list that there. You, your <laughs> definition of buzzed is drunk. Um, but 
but it's when I'm superior. Yeah. I'm superior to you. You're foolish. I think that connects into pride of life. I, I'm better than you. I am. Yeah. And that's not a good thing. No. I, I think that's, that's one of like the biggest pendulum swings is it's either you go too far, like over spiritualizing everything and like shaming people for what they do do. And then there's the other side, which is like shaming people for what they don't do. Right. So Mm -hmm. it is, um, it is putting my convictions on you and then, um, and then having no wisdom in my freedoms. Yeah. And the Bible talks a lot about freedom. So you're for some of you, you're free to do this for others. You aren't, if you're free to do it, you need to be very concerned. And that connects back to the scripture you were saying, Tammy, need to be very concerned and very aware that you do not become a stumbling block. So if you do have freedom to drink alcohol, well, you better know who you're inviting to have a glass of wine with you because you can unlock years of sobriety or you can un- you can cre- you could create that alcoholic because they've never had a drink before. They never wanted to, but you're offering it to them. It's there. They have their first drink, and then that becomes a secret addiction that unravels their life. Um, so, yeah, I'm gra- glad we connected all those dots together. <laughs> <laughs> Made our way back around. <laughs> Tammy, was there anything that you wanted to talk through from, or any questions or follow-up questions? Um through my notes really quick in the second service in in dover i talked about this that i i forgot to share in first service but we had a we had a salvation in the dover location that the process started in easter they showed up in easter and um um and so someone who is a witch and um you know, there's different types of witch witches, but this is someone who's um, who's just concerned with nature and involved in that. And ended up about three weeks after Easter, she gave her life to Jesus um, after service, which was pretty great. And you have this moment where she uh, essentially there's a God that she created. She's going to worship nature. Uh, but then found out that no, there's one who created nature. So there's a cre- you're worshiping the God you created, but why don't you worship the God who created that God? Yeah. And listen, you can worship yourself, <laughs> but why don't you instead worship the one who created you? Um, That's good. And trust him with all the boundaries in your life. Trust him with what's right and wrong. Trust him when he says, "Don't eat that. Stay away from that." <laughs> Don't go near that. <laughs> Just trust him and say, sure, all right. And realize every every other beautiful blessing that he's given you. I t- So there's a stink bug on uh, Tammy's <laughs> microphone. And I've told you that this is the epicenter of, this office is the epicenter of the stink bug outbreak. <laughs> um, so you're the reason. Just kidding. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know how they got here. I don't know. Because obviously this building exists. We only started meeting in this building 10 years ago, 2012. Feel free to step on it. I don't want to make it smell in here. Well, we have a candle burning. (laughs) We, so I don't know what happened, but, but stink bugs came from China, right? So they're an invasive species. I didn't know that. And so someone must have ordered some carburetor from China. It got delivered here. When they opened it up, there was two stink bugs in here. And this is the epicenter, which literally, Stratford County is the epicenter. If you look at that, that's terrible. Statistics. Yeah. Well, you can just keep holding on to it then. Love <laughs> <laughs> you, my pet. Um, I did love the scripture when you said Romans five fifteen through seventeen, and you kind of like it's about Adam's sin and God's gift. I just that, like I've always been taught or told, like Adam was the first. And Jesus was a second Adam. And just like, if think about like what they did and like, it was just like, oh, that really like just spoke to me differently. Yeah. Which part of it? Well, like when Adam, so like we talk about Adam and like God created Adam to be, you know, to have full fellowship with, you know, he created him for worship, everything. And Adam was to be without sin and then when he had to send Jesus to take away Adam's sin, you know, and that was never the, originally the plan. And I just thought like how God, he still fixed his wrong, right. you know, and I just like, he still does that for us today. He still fixed our wrong. Yeah. You know, it may not always look the way we planned or, you know, just like how the Israelites like going to the promised land, they went around the same old mountain 40 years and it's like same with us we sometimes go around that same old mountain but god still brings us through and he still did it for adam yeah restoration a restoration to everything that adam did it took took a long time but god restores and there are parts of your life because of just consequences that you're living through because of sin that you've done whether that was a one-time sin or a, a habitual lifestyle of sin and now there's consequences. God restores that. God restores that, and um, and it could be, it can even turn into a a great blessing. Right. He always takes it and turns it into that blessing. We never see it. Uh, you know, we always see the, like the gloom and doom of what we've done wrong, but God always turns it and makes it beautiful. Yeah. Yep with that how long have we been going i haven't been tracking time i have 43 minutes sometimes we can talk way too long and so we try to make sure that we turn off the podcast before <laughs> you do i i make sure to keep track of time <laughs> um well anything else that you guys want to talk through in this I don't think, I think I've said all of the things that I had going through my brain. Any book recommendations? Anything you've ever read about idolatry or even freedom? I don't think I've read anything that specific. Uh, I can't think of, I mean, anything off the top of my head. So for idolatry, I can only think of, I don't, and I can't think of what it was, but, but Mark Driscoll. Uh, is a pastor and author, and he had written a lot of on idolatry 
in one of his books, but I don't remember what it was. Um, well, anyway, that is that. That's about all I can think of. <laughs> think of. Um, there's um, a few books on grace. We did one on Soul Set Free by John Lindell. And Andy Stanley had a book called titled Grace, and Max Lucado has got a book on grace. Those are a few of the the famous ones, and that might be something to consider. And then, if you've never read Tim Keller's book, <clears throat> excuse me, Tim Keller's book Prodigal God, um, that we did a series on a couple years ago, that's another great book that could be helpful. So. That's that. I don't think I get anything else unless you guys got other questions. No. Thank you for inviting us. Hey, you guys did great. People are going to be, this is going to be the most listened to episode. Maybe. And people are going to be requesting for you guys to take over. No. Good job. All right. Well, we will see you all at church this Sunday.